The theme of today's episode is villains. Specifically, why are villains important in stories? We're going to take a look at some of those ideas shortly. Act 1, a research-based act, focuses on creating, utilizing, and how much villains have changed over time. Villains have always played an important role in movies, but just as society changes, so do the rules of creating good villains. But what exactly has changed? We'll find out shortly. Hello, I'm Broden, and today we're going to be talking about villains in literature. Webster's Dictionary defines villain as a character whose evil actions and motives are important to the plot. Well, it's not Webster's. It's not cliche either. In fact, it's the very opposite. It's Google. William G. Tapley writes, In the old days, villains had mustaches and kicked the dog. Audiences are smarter today. They don't want their villain to be thrown at them with green limelight on his face. They want an ordinary human being with failings. So I've done some research into a few databases and about villains and learned that having a good villain is just as important, if not more so, as having a good hero. Because, well, jerryjenkins.com says, nothing makes a hero more heroic than having a worthy opponent. An article written in 2007 by Richard Corliss says, supervillains. They get the plot spinning towards catastrophe. It's their lurid schemes the hero must rise to defeat. So I read five different articles and or magazines in total and pretty much every single one in some different way said that basically the villain is the only reason the hero has to exist. Um, An article written by William Tapley from 2004 says he when he he wrote a book when he was writing and he had trouble coming up with a good mystery and a reader said he that we knew the who done it from the beginning and it was important for him to he realized to have have a more discreet villain have them more as an ordinary person as opposed to say in the 50s and 40s when they would just have a clear obvious villain it wouldn't hook the audience at all he writes that, quote, create a worthy villain, make it hard for my hero, and everything else would take care of itself. It takes a great villain to make a great hero. That's regarding him having trouble coming up with a good villain. Kind of to paraphrase, um, for heroes to be kind of real heroes in the story, they have to, they should be able to prove themselves. For villain to be a true villain, the audience shouldn't really be able to predict every action of the villain either for example not not being predictable having a deep and round villain is nearly just as important as having that for a hero because if we don't have a a, hero, a villain that's more in depth it's not going to be a captivating story um also a villain he says should ideally have motives 
and more clear villainous traits, but maybe also subtle. Anyways, to paraphrase the article, people nowadays can spot the villain a mile away. It's important to have cleverly hidden villains to portray them on the outside as regular people. Um, this kind of brought me to some of other questions, like what characteristics do villains often share? Why are villains so important in good stories? And are stories more tacky if the villain is evident from the start? Well, I think the last one is almost always yes. So for that first question, the villain's characteristics, I did a quick search and according to Google, villains are a worthy enough opponent to make your hero look good. You and your reader, like when he's on stage. He's clever and accomplished enough that people must lend him begrudging respect. He can't be a fool or a bumbler. So I guess more trying to, trying to be discreet about the fact that they're a villain. A special thanks to our sponsor, Virtual Houseplant. With less hassle, space, and time, Virtual Houseplant is a far superior alternative to a traditional real houseplant. Simply plug it in and leave it there. With the appearance of a large fan, this modern take on design is sure to leave anyone who comes it blown away. They will be shocked to see it. Literally shocked. Virtual Houseplant emits a powerful electric wave designed to electrocute flies. It also seems to work on small children and large dogs. It's a work in progress. Order yours today. We only accept Bitcoin. Um, an article written in 2001 says, By creating a sympathetic villain, the writer enhances the character's dimension and allows the reader to emphasize with the character. However, a one-dimensional villain isn't particularly interesting. His or her actions are predictable, and the villain simply tries to thwart the hero. So it's important that the villain has different sides to them, similar to the hero. In fiction, two characters can't have the same thing, whether it's money, a job, or even love interest. Thus, the villain may compete with the hero for a job, spouse, or even respect. To paraphrase that, that last bit, um... Characters are often created maybe not to share the same things, so it might help if the villain is like against the hero, literally, in some way. Um, so it's also it's possible for the hero and the villain to have the same end goal. They want the same thing, but what might make them different is how they try to achieve it, say by cheating or being honest. Um, Often, sometimes in books, the hero might be getting in the way of the villain, and so that's what makes the villain become the villain. Um, this forces the villain to show their, their villainous characteristics and traits, maybe by trying to defeat the hero. So that brought up some questions, um, like could there be a story where the villain has the illusion that the hero is against them, but not actually be the case, maybe it was a misunderstanding, and the villain becomes villainous even though they didn't really need to.
so in conclusion, having a good villain is just as important as having a good hero because the hero is only as good as the villain. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening. Act 2 is a work of fiction. This focuses on more applying the skills we heard from the last part, Act 1. Judith Duncan sat down to begin work on a highly anticipated novel. Her comeback, as some would say. After 20 years of not writing, she was looking forward to getting back to the cutthroat world of an author. She had done well for herself, so well in fact, that she had been nominated for multiple awards based on her skill and ability to write. She began to write. And as she did, she found she was having trouble writing a good villain into her story. She had not encountered this issue ever before. She decided to call one of her friends, an author as well. Her friend told her to try not to think of the villain as a villain, but more of a hero with evident flaws. She needed a break. The born and raised New Yorker was astonished how much writing had changed in the 20 years she'd been absent from the community. Back then, she thought, one could have a clear and obvious villain, their only purpose being to attempt to defeat the hero. The hero would always win, as usual. End of story. Things seem so much more complicated nowadays. She would go on a walk to mull things over. When she got back, about an hour later, her mind was buzzing with new ideas of how to make this work. She knew she needed something, something more captivating. Could she get away with a simple plain past? No. This time, it was going to be a juicy, multi-layered backstory. After that, the villain would have to have more subtle motives, and maybe even positive aspects towards that character. Hmm, she thought for a minute. Bingo! This time, the villain was going to have the admiration of the readers. The hero could be as bland as she wanted, so long as the villain was the opposite. She worked through the evening and into the early hours of the morning. She didn't want to sleep. How could she? Everything she had known about writing from the past had changed. And after a quick call with her friend, she had the epiphany. Her thick red hair was tangled. Her breath smelled of coffee and bread. Her wooden table chair was giving her arthritis a hard time. The chirp of the bird was ringing through her third-story apartment. This was rare, she thought. Birds never flew around this part of the city. They usually stay in Central Park to get bread from tourists and people with too much time on their hands. When she was finished writing, she sent her work back to her editor. He replied, said he was impressed with her writing. He mentioned why he liked it, that the story was much more layered than her previous works. Judith was content. She'd succeeded. By giving the villain less generic traits, having more subtle motives, and not finding out who the villain was, she was able to write a work of fiction without being tacky. She was proud. Two years after publishing her work, she was making headlines on nearly every media outlet. She'd since published two other novels, all best-selling. Reporters were calling it the comeback of the decade, but that's not how she felt. Over time, she'd become the very thing she was writing, the villain. She'd used certain methods of captivating the audience with a good villain. Impersonating them had been one of them. 
When she returned to her apartment after having an argument at dinner with one of her friends, she saw her typewriter. Where once it sat her pristine polished machine was now a faded grey box and the ink ribbon was gone. Faded at least. When she sat down to continue working, the ink came out as red.